This is CliffCentral.com. Health Hour on CliffCentral.com. Good morning to you. This is Jonathan Sinclair, and I'm standing in for Dr. Cindy for this edition of the Health Hour. Uh, being a doctor, she has lots of business to attend to and uh, lives to save, so we'll let her have her day today. But today I am joined in studio by two very special ladies who have dealt with diabetes their whole lives, and it has just been World Diabetes Day. I think it was on the 14th of November. So we're really just commemorating diabetes, focusing on what it is, and especially how it affects youth. Now, it's one thing to go through your life and to make bad decisions and make bad eating habits and develop type 2 diabetes. That's one thing. But it's another thing when you are born with type 1 diabetes and you really had no say in the issue. And I suppose as a child growing up with diabetes, you see other children eating sweets at the tuck shop or you see them with ice cream and you maybe don't understand why you aren't allowed these things. So I really want to just find out from my guests today who grew up with type 1 diabetes, how they perceive life at a young age and how they coped with it and how their parents taught them that there was something different about them. So I'm joined in studio by uh, Kerry, Kerry Calvate is her surname. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining us here, being willing to be open and speak about your disease. Um, Kerry, just won't you tell me a bit about yourself and your story? Um, okay. Thank you so much for having me. My name is Kerry, and I'm currently a master's student at the University of Pretoria. I'm busy researching diabetes. Um, and yeah, um, I also work for an organization called Youth with Diabetes, which is a nonprofit organization. And we basically run camps for children with diabetes, um, which we have fun and we do education on the camps. And then we also do support groups and raise awareness about diabetes in schools. Okay, so obviously you have an invested interest in diabetes because you have it yourself. And uh, is that really why you wanted to give back? Uh, yes, I think so. Um, but also, a lot as the more I got exposed to diabetes uh, in our country, the more I wanted to get involved, just because there's so much to do in diabetes, both in type 1 and type 2, um, that isn't being done in our country. Okay, so what exactly are you studying? Because what are you hoping to eventually accomplish in terms of diabetes and your career? Um, okay, well, I'm studying an MSc in clinical epidemiology. Mm-hmm. Um, I know it's a long word. <laughs> My mom has to write it down on the fridge okay. to, <laughs> to tell people. Um, but basically what it means is, or what I'm doing, um, is running clinical trials. Um, for new management perspectives on diabetes. Um, so what I do is I work with patients. Um, currently, I work with patients in Kalafong and Steve Biko Hospital in Pretoria. And basically, we run um, new management systems uh, to see if we can improve diabetes control. Okay, so what is wrong with the current management systems that we have that you want to change these? Is there something specific that you have a problem with? Um, well, well, mainly, uh, mainly. <laughs> um, basically, in South Africa, we are actually really lucky because our insulin is funded by the government, mm-hmm. which is a major problem in other African countries where uh, it is not sponsored by the government. Mm-hmm. And insulin is actually really expensive. Um, so in that part, South Africa is really um, fortunate um, in that regard. However, um, at the moment, test strips to test your blood sugar mm-hmm. are not is not a national tender. Um, So it depends on what hospital you go to that the strips will be available. So um, uh, hospitals um, here in Gauteng are quite well funded, and so their budgets are larger and they can purchase strips. But hospitals uh, outside, uh, you know, affluent areas, so, you know, even Bloemfontein, Kimberley, those types of areas, um, the availability of strips uh, is not good. Mm-hmm. So um, patients with diabetes often will only get about 50 strips per month to test their sugar. And um, children with diabetes um, are recommended to test their sugar about four times a day. So 50 strips a month is nowhere near. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, yeah. Um, so basically what, one of the things that I deal with is to how to optimize using those strips that you have. 
Okay. All right. So you can make it work. And what are the dangers, though, if a child who does have diabetes isn't testing up to four times a day? Um, if they're eating right and if they're doing the right things that they're supposed to do, is there a need to test four times a day? So basically... Um I mean, it's recommended that you test four times a day, but mm-hmm. it's not absolutely necessary. Okay. Um, the danger, however, is if you don't have strips, that if you can't test your sugar, it, um, you may be low and not mm-hmm. know it. Mm-hmm. So the problem with having a low blood sugar is that you don't have enough glucose going to your brain, and basically um, it causes different symptoms. You know, the mild symptoms is um, hunger, irritation, maybe get dizzy, you feel weak. Um, but as those symptoms progress, um, as your sugar gets more low, then um, you will start having um, blackouts, seizures, and you could go into a coma. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think a lot of us who aren't directly affected by diabetes don't realize the extent of it. Um, I just want to play us a little clip for myself included or for anyone who doesn't exactly know the technicality behind diabetes. Let's just check it out quick. Diabetes is a common condition that affects all kinds of people all over the world. It prevents your body from making enough insulin and using it properly. What's insulin? Well, insulin is a hormone your body needs to change food into energy. This is very important because your body needs energy to work well. Your body is made up of many different organs, and they do many different things. One of these organs is called the pancreas, which is where your body makes insulin. When you eat something, your digestive system breaks the food down so it can move through your blood and into your cells. Carbohydrates, or starches, are broken down into glucose, a type of sugar. Your cells use glucose as fuel. Insulin moves glucose out of your blood and into your cells. That's so your body can create enough energy to get you through the day. Okay, so that's just a one-minute Quick tutorial. I'm sure there's a hell of a lot more that goes into this. But now, talk to me, Kerry, about you were obviously born with type 1 diabetes, or did it develop into your childhood, or how did it come about? Okay, so what happens is basically um, type 1 diabetes is characterized, or how it forms, is basically an autoimmune destruction of your pancreatic cells. So basically what that means is, your white blood cells start seeing the cells in your pancreas as foreign Mm -hmm. and they start attacking them and basically um, your insulin production declines to to zero eventually. Um, Along the way, you will develop the symptoms of diabetes, which is frequent urination, um, very quick weight loss. We're talking about probably 10 kilos in two weeks Mm -hmm. sort of thing. Um, uh, For... um, Excessive thirst, I would imagine. Yes, very excessive thirst, yeah. and then um, sometimes blurry vision, mm-hmm. things like that. Um, so those are your um, main symptoms. And then basically um, with type 1 diabetes, you will not make any insulin whatsoever, and then that's why you need to inject insulin and mm-hmm. take insulin. Yeah. So, And the difference between um, type 1 and type 2 diabetes is that type 2 diabetes um, is um, – also a progressive disease, but it's a lot slower. And basically, um, it's also accompanied with insulin resistance, where basically that means um, the insulin that you are producing, your body's cells isn't readily absorbing it. Mm-hmm. And um, obviously, there's a lot of different factors involved. Um, but the risk factors for type 2 diabetes is overweight, um, family uh, history, very much so, and um, being overweight, unhealthy eating, lack of exercise, that sort of thing. Um, but at the same time, a lot of people think that, you know, type 2 diabetes is your fault. Mm-hmm. Um, and, okay, yes, uh, lifestyle factors do account for it, um, but also it is a very much hereditary condition compared. Um, so it's unfair to think that someone who develops type 2 diabetes later on in life is to blame. Exactly, exactly. I mean, not all fat people have diabetes Mm -hmm. and not all people with diabetes are fat with type 2 diabetes, like if that's how you think. Okay, so now you obviously work for an organization, Youth with Diabetes. Now, how do children get diagnosed? I mean, they can't really communicate for themselves up until the age of whatever, five. I, what? How do the parents know there's something wrong with my child? Well, I mean, diabetes can, uh, type 1 diabetes can um, come about from early months of childhood all the way up to 40 years old. So, 
I mean, it's not only very, very young children mm-hmm. that get diabetes, type 1 diabetes. So, I mean, we get a range of children from, yes, from a few months old, but also up until 21, 25, 30 sort of thing that, that are diagnosed. So, okay, for the younger kids, uh, parents will see that their children are very thirsty, like we said, very thirsty, losing weight. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, if in a young infant, you'll see that your child isn't picking up weight according to the normal standards. You'll see that they're probably losing weight, mm-hmm. things like that. Um, and we also try to educate the teachers as well, because often teachers spend more time with those children than their parents do. So we try to educate um, teachers as well to pick yeah, up what those to look out for. Yes, yes. Okay, so there obviously must be challenges once a child is diagnosed with this, and they have to sort of not be allowed to live a normal life in terms of what they eat at school, and uh, children love sweets, and how growing up with diabetes, how is your life affected in the practical sense? Well, I think one of the main uh, misconceptions about diabetes is that uh, somebody with diabetes can't eat sweets and treats and things. we the thing is uh there's a new concept that's called carbohydrate counting which is basically that the concept that um you need insulin for glucose but glucose comes from a variety of things so glucose comes from apples fruits uh, yes sweets and sugar but also milk and dairy um and then your starches so you know rice pasta pup etc bread so your body doesn't understand uh, where that glucose came from. So as long as you can quantify that glucose and you can match your insulin to it, um, that's the concept that we use. Mm-hmm. So to say that sweets and chocolates and, th- and things are completely out is incorrect. So obviously we don't advocate that you just eat sweets all the time because no healthy person should be doing that. Um, but, I mean, if a child with diabetes would want uh, to have a sweet or chocolate or cake, or if they're having, you know, if they have a class party or things, we advocate healthy choices. So, for instance, at a class party, um, instead of eating your normal sandwiches, we say, okay, well, substitute your sandwich, your one one of your sandwiches, with a piece of chocolate cake, mm-hmm. because you can then swap out your carbohydrates. All right, so it's really a balancing act. For sure. I suppose for a child, it's a, there's a lot more challenges, and we'll get into that. Just before we carry on be ru- and be rude, we're joined by our next guest who was stuck in traffic. Lisa, thank you for coming to the show. Thank you very much for inviting us. Yeah, hey. sorry about the Joburg traffic. Uh, get right up close to that mic. All right. Um, yeah, so you had a stressful morning. I was just yes. stuck in a bit of traffic. We understand it's living horrible. in Joburg. This is what happens. All right, so Lisa, um, you're also obviously involved with uh, youth with diabetes yes, yes. and uh, you were the one who contacted Dr. Cindy and you really wanted to get a message across and really yeah, speak yeah. out. And uh, as I mentioned earlier, uh, on the 14th of November, if I'm not mistaken, yeah. was uh, World Diabetes Day. So this is really topical right now and something that we do need to speak about. But Lisa, won't you just um, introduce yourself and tell us a bit more about your story? All right. My name is Lisa. Uh, my surname is Van Dorsten. And um, I've been uh, with youth diabetes, well, since I was little like at school Um, or also going to the camps and so on and then I decided like I want to be a leader join um, also took the courses became a leader and then yeah since 2008 we've been doing the camps and the stuff um, just educating kids you know because the thing is I've had a very very good um, education in terms of diabetes how to manage it I've had a really good doctor and uh, the thing is that I want I want kids out there to have the same thing that I got Mm -hmm. and many of them don't at all there's a very very big um, misconception about diabetes um, ignorance like hectic so that's that's what I'm about okay so obviously you see kids that are educated with about it and then you see kids who aren't what are the different factors in their lives how do their lives pan out differently when they are not educated well basically it's about all about the, your control your daily control your daily management of things so in the end your lifespan will be influenced uh, because of that, if you don't manage your diabetes every day, you'll end up having a shorter life because of your HbA1c, your sugars being too high, so you'll end up developing 
long term complications much sooner basically mm-hmm. it'll de- uh, determine your quality of life that you'll have um so uh, like we've been diabetics for very long now mm-hmm. um i don't know how long Kerry. Yeah. 11 years 11 years yeah. so i'm going on my 14th year as well and you're both young people uh, so that's the majority of your lives basically yeah yeah um hmm. so if you manage it well and you um you have uh, you have your ups and downs um and you get tired of it Sometimes, but um, yeah, if you manage it well, like the education that I've gotten, um, you're fine, perfectly well. There's nothing you can't do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you re- do you remember when you first found out that you had diabetes? When it first sunk in for you, how you reacted, Lisa? Um, I was just I was at my dad's for the weekend. I was going to bed with a, like a two liter bottle of water and mm-hmm. drinking constantly, mm-hmm. going to the toilet all the time, and uh, couldn't understand what was going on. Went to the doctor. And he basically just tested my sugar and was over with it. And it was too high, way too high. Um, I didn't get sick like most people. They land up in the ICU or so. Uh, but um, I was I was upset. I didn't know why. I cried when the doctor told me, listen, you've got diabetes. But I had no idea what it was. just knew it's going to impact my life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So then I suppose, how do your parents start? Do you need counseling? It's a big shock to anyone's life. And to realize those lifestyle changes that are going to be with you for the rest of your life, you can't really eat like a normal person and stuff. And I suppose, did you guys ever feel bitter about it? Did you ever think, why me? Uh, you know, what did I do to deserve this? Because as a child, your brain is thinking differently. You, you're not rationali- rationalizing like an adult. Um, Kerry, how did you experience that? Um. Well, I had a similar um, situation to Lisa where um, I was lucky enough, you know, to catch it early mm-hmm. um, because, like we said, a lot of kids do actually end up in hospital, end up in a coma, and they're then diagnosed because mm-hmm. people aren't aware of those symptoms. Sure. So, like we said, uh, we were lucky in that, you know, we were introduced to diabetes in not such a severe way. Yeah. Um, uh, but for me, um, I have a very strong history of, uh, of diabetes, uh, both type one and type two. Um, so I, I sort of had an idea of what diabetes was. Um, but I think everybody, whether you are older or younger, will go through some sort of, you know, anger and confusion as to, you know, why, why did this happen to me? You know, now I have to, you know, change. Um, and I think to deal with that, well, sort of after you're diagnosed, basically, um, you should be referred to an endocrinologist. So um, whether that's public or private, um, they have uh, specialized doctors who deal with patients with diabetes mm-hmm. and other hormonal conditions. And basically, um, also, managing diabetes requires um, a health team, um, so you need somebody, yes, you need an endocrinologist, but we also have diabetes educators, which are nurses that have specialized in diabetes um, and basically help you and coach you how to adjust your new lifestyle um, and what to do. And um, so I spent about three hours with me and my family, um, with the diabetes educator. And, you know, they sort of just take you through, okay, what is diabetes? You know, why do you have to take insulin? They help you take your first injection. You know, um, obviously, if you're little, um, your parents have to do that for you, that sort of thing. But they really do guide you um, in how to go through diabetes. And I think people who didn't get that sort of education, that um, first time education are really at a massive loss because they're sort of just given these injections and told, okay, listen, inject this many times and stuff. And they just, they don't of, understand why. No, they, okay. they don't understand the why they don't it. understand, you know, how many times or what this is actually doing. And, you know, so I think education in that sort of uh, point of view, like we said, is critical um, because it helps you understand what's going on. Um, what you should do, how to manage your sugars, you know. Um, and what we're also trying to do is basically try to form a network of children and parents uh, who have children with diabetes. You don't feel alone because people uh, or children with diabetes are usually the only kid with diabetes in their school. Mm-hmm. So you feel very isolated. You feel very different. I know a lot of kids at school, at primary school, get bullied and teased sure. about diabetes. And then in, in high school, they just try to hide it away because they don't want to be different. 
And then they avoid taking their insulin. You know, their sugars get out of control, things like that. I would imagine it is quite a challenge at school if you having to inject yourself, go to the bathroom, carry around your kit, especially at a primary school level. I can yeah. imagine that can be quite traumatizing. But now at these camps that you guys run, um, is there a sense of community among the kids? Do they find that they are able to connect with one another on that level of we both suffering with this, let's yeah. be friends? Yeah, for sure. It's always like uh, when you go on the camp and he's like, hey, you also do that with your insulin pain. Jeez, I thought I was the only one. And then they laugh about it and they're friends forever. And that's the main thing about the camps, I think, is that just discovering that you're not alone. And there's many, many kids out there actually that have the same problem. And then they meet on the camps and they get along so well. And it's, uh, you know, diabetes is a very psychological thing as well. There, mm-hmm. there can be a lot of issues, like kids injecting too much insulin because they want sweets, because their mom is restricting sweets from okay. them. Okay. Right. They, then they inject too, many, too much insulin at one time. They go low. They tell their parents or someone they're low, get sweets, and that's it. Or they hide their food behind the cupboards or something, and they, they don't inject all sorts of issues. If you make an issue about certain things in diabetes with kids, you will get, yeah, you will get it back double. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's quite challenging, I think, for the parents as well. And you mentioned earlier the nurses that um, sort of train the family in a regard because when it's a child, that child is not the one who's doing the cooking, putting the food in the fridge, doing all the shopping. So I think the whole family is affected if one member has diabetes. And I think probably to an extent, everyone in the household has to change their diets. So what advice do you have for parents with kids? I mean, how do you, if you maybe have three kids, you you can't sort of put one, make one different. No, for sure, for sure. Um, But what's, What we advocate is that there's no such thing as a diabetic diet because basically a diet for people with diabetes is essentially a healthy diet for anyone. Mm. So I think what actually a diagnosis of diabetes of one of your children, if you're a parent, um, actually just makes your entire family more aware and more health conscious. Um, So in that regard, it's definitely a benefit. Um, because you now your whole family can more focus on being more healthy, being more active, you know. So rather take it as an entire family approach of getting more healthy and being more aware about what you're eating, what you're ex- how you're exercising, and th- etc. Rather than ostracizing your child and being like, okay, no sweets for you type mm-hmm. thing, you know. Because like I said earlier, um, children with diabetes are are able to eat sweets. Um, like we said, um, if they go low, so. It, to maybe explain to the viewer basically um, if your sugar goes low um, which is below a certain level below 4 millimoles per liter um, you need to eat something sweet so that's a common misconception that like we said people with diabetes can't eat sweets so you need to actually take in some sugar to raise up your blood glucose level Um, and the uh, causes of low blood glucose levels is basically too much insulin or um, too little food to match your insulin or exercise makes your sugar go lower. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's a balancing act on the other scale because um, if your sugar is too high, you then need to take insulin to bring it down. Okay. All right. So now let's just, I really want to focus on the youth that have diabetes because obviously that's the organization you work with. And I'm just trying to put myself in a youth's shoes who might have that. When it comes to maybe sports days, excelling in sports, or when it comes time for athletics in the beginning of the year and they randomly select you to run the 400 meter, you have no choice in the matter. Are you going to put up your hand and say, sir, I have diabetes, I'm not running today? You know, these little practical issues I think really do affect the youth. And do you remember when you guys were back in school, little things that maybe other people didn't notice, but that really played on your mind and that really made an impact on you? And that's when you realized, I am a bit different. Uh, Yeah, for sure. The thing is, like, for me, diabetes is all about preparation. That's that's it. Uh, You just need to have to be a little bit more prepared. So, like I said, exercise decreases your sugar. So, basically, we always have, like, people with diabetes always just carry around some extra glucose, sweets, you know, in their pockets, some snacks, etc. In et case of emergency. Yeah, mm. exactly, exactly. And I think Lisa can tell you more about being like athletics and stuff because she was actually a runner mm. um, for tax. So, yeah, the thing is that uh, kids like to use a, the the thing is no, I don't want to do uh, the, the, the LO practical periods because I'm going to get a low, I don't want to exercise. And uh, the thing is that I was a natural born sprinter from since I was 
six years old or so. And I excelled, really excelled in the sports. And obviously, I was 11 when I was diagnosed. So, really, I just uh, got the diagnosis and I just went on with my life. Nothing changed. Um, uh, nothing changed. Uh, you know, I just continued training. And obviously, it's vigorous training. Um, it's not it's not joking around. It's every day, about two hours of training. And it's all about planning, like Kelly said. Um, about an hour beforehand, you'll test your sugars, make sure it's okay. You'll eat an hour beforehand as well. And with the insulins, that's a bit of a different uh, kettle of fish. But I've always handled it well. Um, yeah, and then you keep excelling. There's no there's no problem with me. I had no problem. Uh, went on SA's national champs, uh, qualified for the world junior champs. Got a bursary with Tux, ran for them. So yeah, then then the studies of nursing just kicked in a bit, and it was a bit crazy. But yeah, there's no excuse. You can really go to the ultimate level, and you can like really achieve exactly what you want. Yeah, I think you guys really are role models for these kids that have diabetes to realize. I almost don't want to say feel sorry for themselves, but to realize that achieving success and even in something like sports or athletics is possible with diabetes. Um, I would imagine you're actually a lot more fit than the average person because you have to work that much harder because of your disease. All right, ladies, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, When we come back, we're going to find out a bit more about youth with diabetes, how people can get involved in the organization uh, and what advice you guys have. I was never brave. I was young, out of control, drinking, drowning, brewing the storm. I was never brave. Threat back, buckled, crawled, crashed. I was never brave. Fled, bled, followed, never led. If only someone had stepped in, pulled me out. That's why I became the mentor I wish I'd had. Help under 18 say no to alcohol. Sign up at sabstories.coza. Hashtag be the mentor. A South African breweries initiative. At Sibanya Gold, we believe leaders are made, not born. We also believe we can create a sustainable legacy by helping to develop tomorrow's leaders today. Which is why we have partnered with the Leadership Platform to nurture leaders who are committed to growing our country's economy. We are proud to say it's an initiative that's already showing glittering results. Sibanya Gold. We are one. Christmas is on the way, and so is the happiest family event of the year, the Parkview Charity Christmas Market at the George Hay Park in Parkview from the 27th to the 29th of November. The Christmas Market is a weekend of fun, unique arts and crafts, brilliant gift ideas, kids' fun galore, Big screen sports, a beer tent, and a champagne and oyster bar with continual live music. Parkview Christmas Market for a great time with all proceeds going to charity. This is CliffCentral.com. Yes, welcome back to the Health Hour. This is Jonathan Sinclair. I'm standing in for Dr. Cindy today, who's got some business to attend to. Um, my two guests in studio are two young ladies, Lisa Van Dorsten and Kerry Calvate. Uh, both of them have diabetes. Both are involved with youth with diabetes and are doing amazing work. Now, uh, Kerry, we were just talking about uh, World Diabetes Day. Or what is it? What is it called? International Diabetes Day, or no, no, no. It is called World Diabetes Day, and it's commemorated every year on the fourteenth of November. Okay, so what is it about? What actually is the point? Is it awareness? Is it creating funds? What? So the main point is to raise awareness. Um, it's it was declared a international day to commemorate by the UN in two thousand and six, and the national symbol of diabetes is a blue circle. Okay. I'm just looking at your Twitter. Uh, it is Youth W Diabetes. You can follow them and check them out. Now, yeah, so I'm seeing a blue circle. Um, okay, so w- w- what is with the blue? Is that just the color they chose? That's just the color they chose. And basically the circle is to represent the unifying of people around the world mm-hmm. with diabetes. So okay. I think what people don't realize is the extent of diabetes. So currently more than 380 million people around the world have diabetes. 380 million out of a population of 7 billion. That's quite a big percentage. Indeed, yeah. indeed. Um, and the stats currently are that more people every day die of diabetes than people with HIV and TB combined. So people don't wow. realize how massively extensive it is. Okay, all right. Let's just get into this horrible thing. When you 
pass away from diabetes, what are you actually dying from? Is it kidney failure? Is it heart? What, what actually happens? So what happens is if you have uncontrolled diabetes, so that means you have high sugars for a number of years, mm-hmm. what, um, you are at higher risk of getting diabetes complications, which basically means um, when your sugar is higher than normal, it means that your blood is thicker. Um, because of the increased sugar in your blood, and it means that it cannot flow to the small, smaller capillaries in various places. So that affects your kidneys, your eyes, um, your nerves, especially um, in your feet and your hands, um, and then also um, increases your risk for cardiovascular disease. So mm-hmm. basically, um, people who, who die of diabetes are primarily dying of these complications. So, um, often, you know, the, the stigma of diabetes is, is, um, amputations and blindness. Um, and that's because, um, people with, uh, uh, what we call nephropathy, which is basically damage to your nerve cells at your feet, aren't able to feel a damage to their feet. And so if they get a sore on their foot, it gets infected, they get gangrene, um, and then that causes, uh, you know, possible uh, amputations. Uh, and then, yes, uh, kidney failure, blindness, things like that, uh, and, and cardiovascular disease. Those mm-hmm. are the main things that people are dying of. But these are like many type 2 diabetics yeah. who've been – most type 2 diabetics walk around, they don't even know they have diabetes. That's that's the worst part of this all. Yes. Your body gets used to high blood sugars, um, 14, 15, 16, and you get used to it. You don't even feel it. Um, the thing is, uh, once they get diagnosed, they've already most likely been diabetic for about Plus minus 10 years. So damage to organs and capillaries, like you say, could already have. And then it's about, then it's too late because all the damage already been done. It's irreversible. And then you've got the big problems like amputations because of, uh, you know, uh, blood flow being, it's uh, being secluded down to your feet. Mm -hmm. It's it's really small hair, fine capillaries that are now blocked. Mm -hmm. Um, So there's really nothing you can do about that. All right. So let's go back in time. Is diabetes increasing? And if so, why? Like, did we have this sort of, I want to call it epidemic? Did we have this 40 years ago, 50 years ago? So, yes, diabetes is increasing. Um, but I think it's, number one, yes, lifestyle factors um, are, are massively uh, changing. Uh, so this primarily type 2 diabetes. So of people with diabetes, 90% of people have type 2 diabetes and only 10% have type 1 diabetes. Um, so when we're talking about all of those deaths, yes, it's primarily type 2 diabetes. Um, so lifestyle factors and the change, uh, you know, urbanization is causing diabetes to increase. But at the same time, diagnosis of diabetes is much better. So, okay. so obviously the numbers are going to go up. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. So 40 years ago, you know, people were probably dying of diabetes but didn't know it. Mm-hmm. Yes. So diagnosis has um, increased a, a lot. However, in Africa, about 40% of people with diabetes don't know they have diabetes. And like we said, then uh, present too late um, and already have complications. Okay, so should we be regularly testing our blood sugar? So for men, you know, they advise us to go have a prostate exam every so often and women a breast exam. Uh, What is the sort of recommended schedule for testing for diabetes or blood sugar? So basically, um, you should be looking out for the the risk factors. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you're an older adult, you know, um, being overweight, not eating healthily, um, not exercising regularly. So if you're over about the age of 40, you should be testing your sugar at least once a year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, I mean, uh, different organizations have screening that you can go have for free. Just go test your sugar. It takes one little drop of blood and then it's done. Okay. So now there's a lot of organizations that are involved in diabetes creating awareness. Uh, Lisa, you just wanted to bring up an organization that is close to your heart. Won't you tell us about that? Um, yeah, it's called um, CDE. It's uh, the Center for Diabetes and Endocrinology. Okay. All right. So the head office is in Houghton. Um, and then we've got uh, a lot of centers right across the country. Um, they are all uh, GPs or endocrinologists or physicians contracted uh, with CDE, and they're all um, accredited, you know, or trained within diabetes um, to see patients, diabetic patients. So most people don't really know about CDE, um, and this is actually a wonderful place. Um, this is a company that's uh, this uh, Dr. Larry Distiller, who's um, 
um, he decided to come up with his genius plan is to um, get uh, healthcare for diabetes that that is accessible and that is, you know, according to base care principles, um, internationally, you know, base care principles, in order to give diabetics the, the you know, the management and the education that they need, um, you know, uh, affordable, affordable management. Um, Access to your medications, everything you need, um, actually, and it costs the patient nothing because it's all uh, worked within the medical aid and so forth. So um, they have developed this diabetes management program within them, and it's designed to provide extra focus on the treatment of your diabetes. Okay, right. so is it a? It's a, almost like a medical aid specifically for diabetic patients. How it works is that you, uh, with your, there's certain medical aids that are contracted also with uh, CDE, and if you belong to that certain medical aid, you are then eligible to join this program. Mm-hmm. Um, should you join, then you get all the benefits at no cost to you as a patient, um, because you know CDE and the the, the medical aids have their own. Uh, agreement. All right. So, okay. so they basically subsidise everything the patient needs throughout the year. Clearly, there was a need for this. Uh, were medical aids almost not coming to the party that there was a need for this? Yeah. The thing is, uh, back then in 1994, when they decided to uh, establish this whole plan, is that the the, the care of diabetes management was uh, suboptimal. Um, they w- they weren't really uh, medical aids weren't really uh, keen on giving or providing you know medications and stuff that diabetics really need, and there was just really a very big need for this and yeah in that time of of uh, 1994 somewhere so um, there was a big gap so this was a very very good plan of the doctor Dr. Larry Distiller and uh, since then thousands of patients have joined. Networks of the doctors, uh, any other, uh, you know, healthcare professionals, the, the diabetic educated nurses, the podiatrists, the dietitians, everyone has joined. Well, yeah. this is a thing. I don't think people realize all the people involved. It's not just one doctor. You, uh, certain people maybe can't cut their own toenails, as an example. They need to go to the podiatrist for yeah. that. Uh, the dietitian that's involved, whether it for be sure. even a psychologist, whatever it may be. So if people want to research the and maybe want to get involved, where do they go? Well, um, they can go on our new, new newly improved website. Mm-hmm. It's uh, www.cdediabetes.co.za and all the info would be on there. Um, so, yeah, they can just go on there. Um, they can see what, it, what we provide. Also, for the healthcare providers, doctors, endocrinologists, anyone who wants to join, become part of this network, mm-hmm. they can also go on there. There's a different place for them as well. They will be directed to it. They can see how they can become involved. And CD also does a lot of accreditation and education in terms of if a doctor is just an old GP and he wants to know more about diabetes, he's got a, better, a big interest, he can go, he can come to CDE. CDE does courses, a number of um, um, courses to get you accredited. You can join the network and you can help diabetes. Just as someone with diabetes, uh, what are the sort of hidden costs that we don't think about? So we know about the tests and the insulin injection, but I'm sure there's a lot of other little things that we don't actually think about. Uh, is it, a, it must be a costly disease to manage. Uh, for sure. Um, so obviously uh, managing your highs and lows. Um, so like I said, if you're going low, you need to be prepared, um, have those extra supplies with you all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then for things that are, like like we said, um, when you're going high, you also need other different managements. So um, we talk about ketones, that type of management. You need extra medic- uh, medical uh, equipment, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, like ketone strips, that sort of thing. Um and then any other, shall we say, complication. So, I mean, if you do have renal failure, things like that, obviously doctor's visits are more frequent. So um, at least twice a year you're visiting your specialist. Mm-hmm. Um, primarily, um, like in the public sector, you go and visit um, your the actual doctor uh, four times a year. And then um, also you will need to get your medication. You have to fetch it once a month. Mm-hmm. So transport costs in that sense are also a lot bigger um, because of the you have to sort of take a day to go to the hospital. Yeah. You know, you're taking a day out of work. 
mm-hmm. uh, things like that as well. Okay, well, I would imagine that if you were just on a standard medical aid suffering with diabetes, which is this chronic illness that really does place its um, sort of symptoms or effects across the whole family, and maybe if your family is all on one medical aid, the person with diabetes is almost eating up all the benefits, the, the blood tests and the GP visits, and I suppose that takes away from the rest of the family's health. So I would imagine that this project or that doctor is it Dr. Larry has started yeah. can really help families uh, to manage definitely. this and not yes. become financially unstable due to I it. I mean, this is an all-inclusive program. It, mm. it includes your two um, uh, doctor's visits with your endocrinologist, then you get two um, with your uh, health, your educator, all right, you get your all your blood tests once yearly. Your HbA1c you'll get twice a year. Then you get your podiatrist visit. You get your dietitian, um, and so everything is really taken care of. Plus, your medication is included as for free. You it's get a lot to strips. manage and remember. And I suppose yeah. these people can help you. Uh, you know, so and so, your appointment is next Monday. We'll see you then. Or and it's all for free. You know, like it's included. Everything's included. Your medication is included. You get a test meter. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, all right. I want to come back uh, just to the youth camps that we were talking about earlier. Um, I'm sure this is something that all parents who are dealing with children with diabetes need to look at so that they don't feel alienated and different. But what are the types of activities that they could look forward to on such a camp? Okay, so basically what our camp is, uh, we run a weekend camp. So we'll leave Friday afternoon and then come back Sunday afternoon. Um, so it'll be a sleepover camp, mm-hmm. um, which a lot of parents are quite nervous about, you know, sending their child perhaps for the first time away from them. But for us, that's both an advantage for both the parents and the children because the children gain independence and the parents get a bit of a break. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, and so then basically um, we do fun activities as well as educational activities that are very interactive. So um, we also do art therapy. Mm-hmm. Um, so Friday evenings um, we do art therapy if it's drumming or painting, um, that sort of thing. And then sort of Saturday and Sunday we do a range of activities. So we'll go river rafting or abseiling or hiking or, or very physical activities. Yes, yeah. you know, just fun, mm-hmm. fantastic activities. Um, and then at the same time, throughout the camp, um, all of the kids are testing their sugars together. So okay. on the camp, testing and injecting are normal. Mm-hmm. Um, so often we have some volunteers that don't have diabetes and they'll sort of fill out because they are So aren't. they'll test as well. Yes, exactly, exactly. Okay. You know, they'll, they'll have the experience of testing um, and things like that. Well, I think for a child who maybe every time at school has to go to the bathroom into the dirty cubicle mm. to test themselves, it becomes a secretive, it becomes a dark thing. And I think going to a camp like that, seeing the normality of it, we're all doing it together. We all know that we're going back into our own lives and we deal with this. I think that can really mean the world to any child. Um, so would you just explain how... If a parent wanted to send their child on such a camp, uh, how they would go about that? Yeah, for sure. So basically, um, our camps are planned from the beginning of the year. Then we'll set out dates um, or, or months. And basically, um, we'll put up those dates um, on our website, which is youthwithdiabetes.com. Um, or also on our Facebook pages. Um, so we have Youth with Diabetes as a page and also as a group. Mm-hmm. So basically... Um, we basically just advertise also at your local um, CDE branch or um, at your um, local hospital, your government hospitals. So um, we work with a lot of um, hospitals. Uh, so in our Joburg camps, we recruit kids from Joburg Gen and um, Kalafong in Pretoria um, and also from Steve, uh, Steve Beaker in Pretoria and what is that other one? Uh <laughs> All these names. That other one. Yeah. <laughs> yes, Baraguanath, yes. Tempisa Hospital. Yeah. Um, and Marang House, which is a sort of orphanage or day house for children with diabetes and renal problems. Okay, well, it's interesting that you mentioned that because I wanted to speak about that in a in a continent like Africa, a country like South Africa that has other challenges, obviously in rural areas where people are battling to survive on a day-to-day basis anyway. Uh, if a child in that household will, were to be diagnosed with diabetes, 
how do you go about it when the family's battling to put food on the table? Now they need to provide healthy food. So how as a country are we coping with that? So I think, you know, that is a massive challenge both in South Africa and Africa. And the thing is, for us, we would we wouldn't like I said, there's no diabetic diet. Mm-hmm. We would find ways around, you know, this is what you have, this is how we can deal with it. You know, mm-hmm. this is the insulin that you're taking. If this is the only food that you have, that's fine. We can make a plan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've once had a patient actually that they all they eat is bread and pup, and that's really all they have for the whole day. And now the the child has a uh, you know low blood sugar, and they really don't have anything to treat treat it with at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and all they have is sugar water basically. So that's what that's what they have. And and at least when this this child she's about eight years old when she goes to school. Um, at least they can help her there. But at home, you know, it's really just that. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing you can do about it. That's how it is. So like Kerry said, you have to make it work. Yeah, just do the best you can. So if the school can impact her in some way, Definitely. then that's where it must be done. Now, it must be challenging for uh, doctors, especially uh, parents, where a child doesn't realize the severity of it, or even an adult. They don't want to commit to eating healthy. They refuse to see the consequences um, in that sense, especially with regards to a child, is there intervention methods one could take if the child is constantly relapsing, constantly landing up in hospital, refusing to almost becoming suicidal to a point? Is that something you may see? Yes, definitely. Um, so we have had a couple of kids um, who have been like that. And basically what we recommend is sort of get involved Mm-hmm. Um, you know, with other people, see how other people are coping and doing and that they're living their life how they want to. You know, mm-hmm. uh, like we said, you can do anything with diabetes. If you mm-hmm. want to be a runner, a national athlete, you know, if you want to become a doctor or mm-hmm. anything, um, diabetes will not stop you. Um, so we encourage those type of children who are having those issues and feelings and sort of thing is to um, get out there and find a support network that they can see role models doing mm-hmm. and living their life. Um, you know, so I mean, s- sort of suicide and and depression and things with, like that. Um, definitely, depression and anxiety with diabetes is definitely common. Mm-hmm. It's it's not um, you know a once or thing. So a lot of people feel alone, like that they can't do that. Um, and I, I also encourage people uh, and children who are experiencing that to reach out to their health team as well because their diabetes educated and things are trained on how to help you with that. They're not going to judge you for, you know, feeling like that. They know that diabetes is a 24 hour, seven days a week condition. Mm -hmm. And often, I mean, Lisa and I ourselves have gone through sort of what we call diabetes burnout where, you know, you just, feel like this is more than enough that you can handle and that you need a support system to go back and feel like please help me just to cope with this for a while yeah so do it get a burnout go off your testing don't taste do whatever but just get back into it as soon as so okay so let's just classify burnout because obviously this is something that you people who suffer with this terrible thing go through and it's okay to have that where you say i'm sick of taking care of myself i'm gonna go off the bandwagon for a bit but uh, lisa like you say you got to get back on for sure don't don't think it's okay and i'll just leave it for a year then when you see again it's you know 12 months have has passed and you go on and you go on you can't get back into the lifestyle and then when you see it you've got a complication like your eyes or something has mm. relapsed so just do it for a few days get it out your system and get back into it mm-hmm. yeah like um often um, my mom really helps me a lot and um i used to you know just go home for a weekend and just say mom can you just you know deal with mm-hmm. it for me and she'd test my sugars for me, you know, mm-hmm. do my insulin injections for me, sort of thing, so that I would not have to think about diabetes for a weekend, mm-hmm. sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And she'd sort of take that load Now, me. as someone, uh, I mean, you guys have had this for years, and you still go through these feelings, so I think that's important for people who are, are just finding out about it, who are new to the disease, you know, to realize that it is a lifelong commitment, and you're in it for the long haul, 
but to look out for that support and to ask for help. All right. So just in closing remarks, um, what do you want to say? And also, how do we keep up with you? You can mention your websites again. Uh, let's start with you, Kerry. Um, so basically what I'd like to say is just that diabetes does not define you. Mm-hmm. I mean, you have diabetes. You are not diabetic. I mean, uh, first and foremost, you are a person who has dreams and goals. Um, and diabetes is obviously a great part about, about you. Um, but that is just one aspect of you. Mm-hmm. And yes, uh, you need to manage it, uh, every day, but it will, you should not let it stop you. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically if, um, children or parents want to get involved and, um, come on our camps, um, we just recommend that they go on our website. Uh, so again, youthwithdiabetes.com, um, or on our Facebook page, again, youthwithdiabetesywd on Facebook. Awesome. Lisa? Yeah, um, I think just don't be in denial about it. Don't let your sugar, don't t- not taste your sugar and just ignore it. You know it's high. Just taste it and correct your sugars and get on with your day. Um, and then go get inspired. I mean, go on the camps. Go see what the kids do. Come to, to CDE. Um, come talk to our brilliant educators and our brilliant doctors. Um, just, I go on the camps often just, and I get inspired the whole weekend and it gives me power to mm-hmm. get back into my diabetes again. And go on. So please, like um, CDE's website is uh, www.cdediabetes.co.za, um, and just uh, check our website. It's really awesome. We've got programs on there now to help our patients keep compliant with their management. You know, like you, um, just to give you some motivation to look after your sugars. So you don't have to drive somewhere. It's all on the website. You can easily find information, yeah, uh, yeah. get motivated. You For know, sure. get on track. You can check um, on the on the website. Obviously, everyone. Uh, in their different areas there's a doctor close to you you can go and see that doctor um, even if you're not uh, eligible to join the program because you're not on the right medical aid you can still go and see the doctor and you'll just have to pay it by your medical aid but they mm-hmm. they are still there get the proper education that you need and live your life alright yeah. so I think the message is don't stick your head in the sand really just face it head on and do the best that you can and I just I think take away that guilt when you do slip up don't let it linger just get over it forgive yourself and move on ladies I really think that you both are an inspiration and I think that you don't even realize the way you are helping the youth and just that they know that you've been through this and that you turned out so great and you've made successes of your lives and you're going into a career, Kerry, that is going to help this disease. And these are your success in athletics and now working with these organizations. I think that's really amazing. So well done to both of you. Thank you so much. All right. So Dr. Cindy will be back next week. Uh, This has been Jonathan Sinclair standing in for her, just talking about World Diabetes Day. But yeah, that's about it for now. And Dr. Cindy is back next week. Health Hour on cliffcentral.com. This is cliffcentral.com.